And just like that, what's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep track of the days of the week. And it is episode 136, and we do have a packed house tonight. Everybody's on tonight. Starting with the legendary shortstopper from the Philadelphia Phillies, Kevin Stalker. He is on the guy with the most knowledge when it comes to the Sixers, the staff writer from Philadelphia Sports Network. It is Aaron Bell back with us for the second time. And it was a, uh, I mean, we had a blast with him first time around. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same way the second time around here. And also talking about the away games for your Philadelphia Eagles, the man, the myth, the travel legend, Vince Rizzuto is on with us tonight from Philly Sports Trips, our partner here at Broad Street South. So Dylan, Ryan Neff, and by the way, don't be surprised if Ryan Neff looks just a little bit different tonight. I believe he went through a buzzsaw and came out on the losing end, but that's okay because we still love him to death anyways. But him, Dylan, Mike Fuji, we're all on tonight. And uh, by the way, when the show gets started here, if you guys don't mind, on the other side, after I bring everybody on, we're going to take a special moment out for someone who went away from this world way too soon. And we'll talk about that lady here here in a little bit, but thanks to Eagles Mania for sharing the uh, the sad news for the most part. And we are, of course, the home for Eagles Mania when it comes to the podcast. So we like to make a tribute to that special lady, and we'll talk about it here on the other side. But tonight, again, we're planning to have, as we usually do, a lot of fun. As we know, Fuji's already fired up. Dylan is coming up on his 200th episode for his podcast, and he just told us he's switching his whole spectrum from his podcast from baseball to I don't know, some some show of some sort or another, but he'll tell you all about it. It's all being switched around, but nevertheless, it is episode 136. We thank you, everyone overseas, stateside, and South America for tuning in. Just hang out to your seats as we get the show here started. Once again, live from the LG Direct Sales Solution Studios, I'm Angel, and welcome to Broad Street South. Now, when he's out there not hanging out with the Pope, he's here blessing us here on the set. And with that being said, it is the co-host, Mike Fuji. Fuji, what is happening for Phil? You like that one, huh? Yeah, I got you by surprise, didn't I? Hey, you're Mike Genius. On that controls and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy Friday, Angel, everyone. We got Mr. Kevin Stocker in the house, Aaron Bell, Vince Rizzuto from Philly Sports Trips. Let's get this party rocking. Let's get this Eagles schedule underway. The Sixers, the Phillies, let's all get the whole gang in here. Let's get the party rocking. Angel, how the hell are you on Friday Eve? Listen, it is 92 for the high today here in the Tampa area, and I am not complaining whatsoever because paradise is looking better than ever this time of year. Even though we're getting ready for hurricane season, which starts in about two weeks, but it's okay. Last year, thankfully, we dodged all of them. Hopefully, it'll happen again this year, but the beach has been calling my name all week long, even though I was there today doing stuff over there, but this weekend might be time for another beach trip. Last week was the kayaks, so I think this week is going to be the beach, but... The other gentleman that's down here who likes to share responsibility, who once, like I said, is coming up and doing different things on the Flow Show podcast. It is our young local Tampa correspondent, our young local 
Toronto Blue Jay. And Lord knows, now we have to go through all these people just to get him on the show. But here he is, all the way from Dunedin, Florida. It is Dylan Spaulding. <laughs> Dylan, what's going on? <laughs> Angel Fuji, it is so great to see you, gentlemen, on a two or not a Tuesday. Jeez, I was I'm losing it here today. Yeah, uh, it, is a, <laughs> it is a Thursday. You see, I'm rocking the throwback. I went into the throwback. God brought Are you allowed to wear that working for the blue jays? We won't talk about the, the logistics here now. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, listen, I'm, just, I'm, just being, I'm outside of work. I'm going to wear it. Listen, I'm, I'm outside of work. I'm going to wear it for today's podcast. we got Kevin Stocker on the show. we got a, a great group of guests here on the show, guys. Uh, very excited to be on here on a Thursday Eve. And, uh, yeah, the podcast, we're going from just covering baseball here in the state of Florida. Now that I work for the Blue Jays, kind of have some, you know, contractual obligations that I got to follow. So for me, I am actually going to be expanding and covering all sports here in Florida, not only minor league baseball and pro baseball and collegiate baseball, but I also want to cover other sports as well, like hockey, basketball, auto racing, which is very prevalent here in the state of Florida as well. So I'm hoping that uh, with a lot of these expansions, I bring in more people, bring in a new audience, and also keep the ones that have been with me throughout these last five years, which I've actually just passed five years starting the podcast back in 2018. It's actually remarkable how long I've been doing it for, and uh, it's been a blast. And I got episodes coming out here soon that I have uh, been waiting on to get put out but i'm very excited to finally be back and doing podcasting again because for a while here i've been kind of on a little bit of a delay in terms of of doing some podcasts but i'm excited for tonight's show guys and i thought i'd get that out there but yeah go follow my podcast the floor show pop now with that being said that is the longest intro dylan has ever done for himself which usually hi guys and we move on to the next thing but dylan coming out strong from the gate here that's all right and don't forget by the way if you guys are in the tampa area this weekend check out myself and dylan down there at blake high school for the tampa bay titans basketball game as we are broadcasting this weekend and they must win the next four in order to make it so if you guys are in the tampa area please stop down there at blake high school we would appreciate it and so would the tampa bay titans and coming out from uh the upper deck I wouldn't even call it cheap seats anymore because he's so freaking cheap. They still won't give me the club suite, but that's okay. Here from the cheap seats is the Ryan Neff. <laughs> Ryan, what's going on, man? Angel, Fuji, Dylan, I'm Ryan Neff. It's great to be with you this evening. A little uh, Philly talk tonight. We got talking about the Sixers and their offseason. Um, and we get to talk a uh, little Eagle schedule. I'm ready to go. Let's get this party rocking, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Mo, we're going to keep the ball rolling here, and we'll start out with the man who covers the Sixers. And the last time we were supposed to have him on, unfortunately, the Sixers were not doing good things. And I think that's why he, Aaron didn't want to come on at that point, because he figured it was going to be a bust. But it's okay. We understand it. But here is the man himself, Aaron Bell. Aaron, what's happening? Oh, I think Aaron's mic is off. It's coming slowly but surely. It's what happens when you, you got me now. There you go. Yeah, there there we go. all right. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, everybody? I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, I know I missed uh last week. Uh, you know, Sixers being on at the same time, had to come over there and uh, you know, watch them get just totally embarrassed. Uh, I was embarrassed, the city was embarrassed, they should be embarrassed. Yeah, it's a lot of things that's uh going on there we have a lot of questions going into this current offseason 
uh, that we need to be answered, you know, with contracts and players, trades, rumors, all different types of things. I'm here for it. I'm glad I'm with you guys. And let's dive right into it. What's going on, y'all? Yeah. Aaron, Aaron, I'm just going to say something. It's okay. It's not as embarrassing as being a Magic fan. So it's all. <laughs> oh, that yeah. Okay. You, 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 you beat me right there. You got me right there. <laughs> that is so true. And by the way, if you guys are looking to take the best sports trip of your life, please go to our partner website here, phillysportstrips.com, and you will not go wrong because if you have not figured out to go with them just for the tailgate experience alone, you are missing out on a tremendous party. And the beautiful thing is you never know who's going to show up at a tailgate experience. And just, I was going to, Oh, not he's still there. So I want to make sure he was, he was there on my, in the green room as I see him. But if you guys go, by the way, if you guys missed the Charlie Manuel, uh, tailgate experience that we had, it is on YouTube on our website. Check that one out. Charlie was amazing. He gave us, 35 minutes and walked around to make sure he said hi to everybody. And the man responsible for that, partly Mr. Anthony, uh, Anthony Gargano and the other gentleman that you see on the screen here is the other gentleman to be responsible for that one. It is Vince Rizzuto manager of the year. That's what I'm going to call you now, Vince manager of the year for Philly sports trips. Vince, what's going on, man? How are you? And his mic is off. Boy, everybody's mic's off tonight. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. We're doing great. Guys. It's all bench. Well, uh, <laughs> I was saying some really bad things, so I'm glad you didn't hear me. Um, no, I, it's great to be on. I, I, it's great to see you, Angel. Uh, still thinking about, you know, Clearwater and Tampa and the times that we got to spend down in Florida. So, uh, yeah, look, excited to talk about some some upcoming trips. That's good. Listen, we, we got to put a party back together over there at Tampa Joe's. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. 600-plus went through the gates, and, and man, we could not be more proud of what went on there. And who's been patiently waiting here in the green room as well, if you guys do not follow this gentleman, and, and, and it, you know, listen, everyone does different things when it comes to social media, but as you guys can see, as I bring up here on the screen, you guys can follow Kevin Stocker at Kevin19Stocker on Twitter. Give him a follow so you can keep up with everything that's happening with Kevin. And you guys remember, he's one of the legends. And the reason why I call him a legend is because he played at Veterans Stadium, where it became the most concrete jungle that I think anyone and everyone didn't really want to play. But with that being said as well, we introduce the major guest of the night. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it tonight. Please tell me that my mic is on. I want my it mic. Sure is. Hey, your mic is on. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. No problem. It started with Fuji, and it was like a virus. It just had to go all the way around until it finally came back, and then you cured it. See how it works? Yeah, it's just fine. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. But before we get the show here underway, as I mentioned beforehand, and I want to bring up a couple things here. Uh, let me flip back to the screen for a second, but. From the Eagles Mania Group, the co-owner and founder of Eagles Mania, Katie Navarro. As you guys see up there on the screen, that is her picture. Kiss me, I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, usually when you see kiss me, it's because I'm Irish. But you guys can see I'm an Eagles fan. Katie passed away unexpectedly this week. Uh, no one knows exactly what happened. And again, that is for the family to know exactly what ended up happening. But I believe she passed away in the hospital. And it was an Eagle that was way too soon to be lost. And with, I want to take away a picture just for a moment. I'm going to come back to it, but 
if you guys take the opportunity, please visit the Eagles Mania Facebook page. And if you can, if you guys can see here on the screen, if you click on the article there, it's going to bring you over to this GoFundMe, right? They're looking to raise $5,000 for the funeral expenses because we all know they're not cheap. So if you can, by all means, please visit Eagles Mania. Look for the article there with Katie Navarro. And if you guys can, even if it's a dollar from each person, it gets, hopefully it'll get right to that goal. Right now they're about $1,800. Uh, so they need at least about another $3,200 to, to make the goal there. But Katie lost too soon. And we want to dedicate this episode to Katie Navarro. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to take this screen away here for a second. I'm going to bring her picture back up. I'm going to have a smaller picture up there for her on the screen. But I want to take about six seconds just to pause for Katie's life and what she did for Eagles Mania and the people she touched and the family members that she leaves behind. But Katie will be missed. We think about her. And as a family always says that we love her because no matter what, she'll be an Eagles for life. And at the end, I do want to play one last Eagles chant for Katie. So if we don't mind, about six seconds here for Katie. So, Katie, uh, God bless you. I hope you're in heaven enjoying it, and you'll you'll have the best seat in the house when it comes down to it as far as uh, watching all the Eagles game, Eagles action. So hopefully, you know what? She may be the 12th man up there taking care of business for us. And uh, so, Eagles Mania, if you guys don't forget, and if you're listening to this audio of the download of the podcast here, please visit on Facebook the Eagles Mania group and click on Katie Navarro's article. And again, if you guys can, please help her with her GoFundMe. That way the family can rest a little bit easier because at this time, it's it's tough. And right now, it's not the best times economically for the entire world. So we hope that uh, every little bit helps. But I see the comments coming in. I'm going to get to the comments here. Uh, Lori, hold on, let me bring up two here before we end up going there. Um, Lori says, Lori, by the way, from the Eagles Mania as well. Uh, hey, Devious Story was, was the wrong thing. I was on Facebook instead in, in Mania. I'm here. Uh, Lori says, thank you. Uh, to the both of us there and, and for everyone. No problem, Laurie. As I told Rich, we ended up doing it. So I just want to make sure that, that we did it right uh, more than anything else. But I'll get to the other comments here momentarily. But the man of the hour, Kevin Stalker. Kevin, 1993, coming out from the farm system, coming up because you came up through uh, AAA from Scranton Wilsbury, end up coming into the game. And I, I have to ask because you don't get this opportunity many times to ask a baseball player. And I'm going to bring up your full screen here uh, in a second. But a lot of times we don't get the opportunity to, to ask a former player when you go, which you hope that maybe, I don't know, you start out with a base hit or a double or a triple, but you went 0 for 6 yeah. the first time coming up. Is it one of those things that get beyond the nervousness? Did you hope to at least get the one hit or was it because you were kind of caught up in the moment and unexpectedly brought up into the majors is kind of one of the reasons why is why it added to that, the, to your first batting average, the way it did. So yeah, Oh, for six, certainly didn't want to go oh for six. You, you come up as a young player and you want to get the hit out of the way right away. Didn't happen for me. Um, why that happened? I don't know. I mean, I, I was nervous for sure, but that's not why. I mean, I, I got a double play the first inning. I got a walk in there. So I was calmed down. Some of it just had to do with probably the, you know, you're in this big stadium, the big moment, lots of fans. Um, I hit the ball. I wasn't striking out. I just didn't get the hit. And I don't know why exactly. I can tell you that the game went 20 innings. And after the end of the game, I got called into the office. So we, we won the game. 
It's one o'clock in the morning. I got called into the office with a bat and Fergosi, Dennis Mankey and Boa were in there and they were making adjustments right away with my swing. They had seen something different from what I was doing in spring training. We made some adjustments and the next day I got my first hit home run. But to answer the question, I don't know why I was over six. I certainly didn't want to be over six. No one wants to start that way, but at least we got the wins. So it was a good way to start that way. But that's good. And, and, and talking about as far as managers with Jim Fergosi, you got to take us back. Obviously, Veterans Stadium for a lot of folks uh, and for those who watch Major League Baseball, and you don't have to be a fan of the Phillies, but you knew about Veterans Stadium. And, and I want to go back to, I know Fergosi had many, many major moments out there at the Vet. What's it like when you stepped out there for the very first time? Because we all know that you start off with a raise at first before eventually becoming over as, as a member of the Phillies. But what was it like to start off at the vet when it, it wasn't the most ideal conditions? And I know when you guys are, are, you know, obviously stopping plays, if you're in the outfield, obviously you're within the infield. But even if you're diving for the ball, how hard of an impact was that AstroTurf to concrete? So the turf there, that was the old original type of turf that was made that started back in the 70s. And it's literally like just carpet and a little bit of padding underneath. Um, it's super, you know, you dive on it, you get burned up, that sort of thing. It's really tough on your knees and so forth. Now I got used to it. That's all I really knew. I came to the vet. That was my first experience. There are good and bad things about it. The good, here's the good things. It's fast. Okay. So I was not a power guy. I wasn't going to hit a lot of home runs, but man, I could, I could run. So for me, I could hit the ball low line drives, ground balls, and I get a lot of base hits through the infield. So I could use my speed on it. The downside was I also loved to dive. I was, I was a hustle guy. That's what I did defensively. That's why I was there. So I was diving for balls. I was doing all that kind of stuff. And over the course of a couple of years, it took its toll. Like I, I've had both my knees kind of cleaned out with chips and cartilage and stuff like that. A hundred percent result from playing on that turf. That's just part of it. Um, the other thing that was really tough on that turf. And I, I learned, cause I came up in July and you guys, you guys are all from here. You know what it's like. So freaking hot, like in humid. Like I, yeah. I didn't know I had never really been on that turf before. So it gets incredibly bouncy. That old stuff, man, you get a, when it gets 130, 140 on the turf, I had to learn really fast that it gets really bouncy. The ball gets really high. So I had to adjust how I played defense. You know, I had to charge more on certain balls and try to get before that second bounce. So there were certainly some adjustments, but it was, I mean, the stuff that they have now, other than the grass, they have a lot of, even the dome, some of the domes have turf now, right? You got down in Florida, even Tropicana field has the turf a little bit there. And it's much different, softer on your body. It slows the ball down. Um, it's so much easier to play on than that old stuff in the vet. The vet was, it was one of a kind. It wasn't just the vet. You know, Pittsburgh had the round one. Cincinnati had the round one. I think uh, St. Louis at one point had turf in there. So they were all the same. Well, it's, uh, I, I know, again, we were, it was a happy moment to see the vet leave. But at yeah. the same time, too, it was sad because you got to figure, you know, JFK, uh, the Spectrum, and the vet, for a lot of us, that's when we grew up. You know, and, and it's yeah. tough because we, you know, we, we loved it. That, it was home for us. It was, it was just, it was great. And it's a place that, that we'll never, we'll never forget. That's for sure. I mean, Citizens Bank Park, thankfully they were able to crown a, a world series there. We hope to see many more. Hopefully that isn't just a one and done before they make another brand new stadium. But I, you know, it's, and we're going back into the nineties and, and we know the team that was put together back then, which seemed like it was supposed to be another one of those kind of contender type years. And it, it still ended up coming up short as you were coming through it. And you were hearing about the Phillies when being, being now a member of the Phillies, 
was it one of the teams that you actually would hope that you would land with as you were, you know, oh, you were coming through high school and college? Or was question. one of those? Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Angel. I apologize. There's a little delay, but I totally oh, no. know where you're going with this question. So, uh, to answer your question, I'm from the Northwest, man. Like, I didn't. I, my brother loved Mike Schmidt. Other than that, I didn't know really much about the Phillies. I mean, I, I grew up out in Spokane, Washington. We had the Mariners when I was a kid, um, and they were terrible. The Mariners were terrible every year. I grew up kind of West Coast, like a, a an Oakland fan back in the '70s when I was really young. When I was, you know, eight nine years old, for whatever reason, I got hooked on the Oakland A's team back when they were, you know, were just beating each other up. Um, my draft year was, this is a good, to, to get to your question, my draft year was in 1991, and I, I came out of University of Washington. And during that year, in 1991, I'm playing baseball, having a really good year, and I'm getting phone calls from teams that are interested in drafting me. And, and how that works is they, they contact you, and they're like, hey, you know, if you go in the fourth round, will you sign? They're trying to figure out where you gauge. I'm getting calls from the White Sox, the Yankees, and I think the Angels were in there. Not once did I hear from the Phillies my college year. Not once. And so the draft comes around in early June, and I end up going. I had to go to class. I was still in school. I came back, to, and I didn't get a call. I thought I was going to go on the first day. I didn't hear anything. Long story short, 11 o'clock, it was super late. I mean, really, really late. I get a phone call from Lee Thomas, and literally, I'm like, who is Lee Thomas? I had no idea. I didn't know Jim Fergosi. I mean, I knew who Jim Fergosi was, but I didn't know that he was managing the Phillies and what that was all about. That was the first I had heard from the Phillies was when I got the phone call that I had been drafted in the second round on draft day. And so then I, I ended up a week later signing the contract. And that was the first time that I had really flown, you know, over to the East Coast and off I went down in the South Atlantic League and started playing for the Phillies. And that's how I got my start. But before that, wow. I really didn't didn't know the traditions. I didn't know much about the team. Uh, certainly had never been to Philadelphia. So, yeah, it was really uh, it was really cool and also really nerve-wracking at the same time. Well, I wanted to share before I turn over to Fuji and the rest gang here, one picture that I had just showed up on the screen. This is from your Tampa Bay Devil Rays days that's yep. up there. And Jay Daniels, who's been on the uh, – he's a friend of the show. He's been with us before. I like to call him the baseball historian. He ended up taking that picture as he shared it with me on before there were motor drives in cameras and so it it just accidentally ended up being perfect timing and he said he ended up going to eckerd printing out the picture and then eventually you end up autographing it for him so i i wanted That's to bring it up pick. because man well yeah. this if if you would like a copy um it's available for 1995 plus shipping yeah. and handling so we'll make sure we get it out to you but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kidding aside, I wish but, I got a little bit more of that barrel on that ball it's possible that bat broke where i did it but he got a nice shot of it yeah, no, it was it, it was a good one there because again it it yeah that that little right here if you were just yeah, crack I'm a little, I'm more a little down on the handle I'm a little I'm a little on the handle but I I bet you that got through somewhere that's what we're gonna say you know we'd have to really look at the launch angle you know you gotta <laughs> yeah <that> all. <laughs> make sure we go through the access and everything oh, else yeah God. I got you. <laughs> Well, I'll turn it over to Fuji, which I'm pretty sure he's dying. The uh, Howie Rosen brother-in-law is, is dying to get some questions in. Kevin wanted to thank you once again for coming on. It was great hanging out with you and Mickey Morandini playing wiffle ball. Um, you know, we talked. You were brought up to play shortstop in '93. I believe you were. Your first game was at San Diego doubleheader, where I think Mitch Williams no. had the game-winning hit. You're off. You're off. You're off by a week. 
So my, oh. yeah, my first game was the tw- it was one game, but it was twenty innings. That that was on July. My first day was like the, July third, I think it was. So they did that doubleheader the week before. All right, the, yeah, in July. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you came up. A lot of people probably don't know this, but. You know, you jumped in to play shortstop to take over for Juan Bell, which I I know he played for the Orioles before he came to the Phillies, and he was pretty much the Achilles heel that year from the 1993 era. I mean, you were thrown right in the fire, and you seemed like you just stepped right in. You know, your glove, you know, I know you said it took a little while for you to get, you know, your bat on the ball, but, you know, just – what was it like playing with guys like Crook, Dutch Dahl, Lanny Dykstra, Schilling, Mitch, Mitch Williams, just to name a few? Yeah, it it was it was it was great to play with those guys. But it was clearly for me, it really helped my career because I was twenty three, and here's a bunch of old you know grizzly veterans that knew how to play and be tough. And so that's so I learned how to play the right, what I consider kind of the right way, the tough way, the, a little bit on the old you know older way. The thing that helped me the most, Mike, was that I, I went into spring training. I got invited in that year as a non-roster guy. So I got to know them, and they got to know me. And not only that, I mean, that I'm in spring training. We had two brawls. Like, who has two guys playing <laughs> brawls in spring training? So and I'm not kidding. Like, I would, I, I remember going down. I got sent down after a couple weeks because I knew I was going to – they told me you're going to get sent down. You're just up here for the experience. But they would bring me back up to fill in for games. So I'd go into my locker in spring training. And there'd be like a little sticky note that says, hey, they need you at the big league club. So I'd go up, I'd get it right up to the ballpark. They're about a mile away. And then I'd go on the bus with the team. And twice, I mean, we're in St. Louis. So I think it was Dave Hollins that took off after one of the pitchers. And they all, everybody goes. And I'm sitting on the bench like, I guess I go, like in spring training. I learned a lot about what that, the passion that those guys had. So they knew me. So when I got called up in July, I think it was July, July 7th is when it was. When I got called up in July that year, they knew me. I also found out years later in talking with some of the guys that um, Jim Fergosi had had a meeting the night before and said, hey, we're, we're calling Stalker up. We're going to have him come up. We need some defense. That's what we want him to do. You guys need to leave him alone. Like just we're, we're not, they were nine games in first place. Uh, you know, don't do any stupid. And so the guys really took care of me. I walked in that first day. I walked in and my locker was right next to Darren Dalton down in Macho Row. And so Darren kind of took me under his wing the first couple of weeks. I could ask him questions. He helped me handle the press. You know, they're always in your face. He, he kind of taught me, hey, you know, you know, how to deal with them. I was young. So a lot of playing with those guys was great because I got, I got to learn how to do a lot of those things. At the same time, everybody had their own personality, right? So Darren was quiet leader. Right next to him was Mitch Williams. And who, but I don't know. Did anybody happen to listen to the pregame, uh, that show today, Mitch called in. Did anybody hear that? I, yeah, I, was, I caught, I caught yeah. the cell into that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when that, funny, that was yeah, so I'm on the radio today, and Mitch called in. I had no idea he was going to call in. I haven't talked to him. I don't think I've talked to him since he left Philadelphia. Um, so he he was a trip. You know, he, he was an interesting guy. Lenny was in, he real nervous guy, in and out of his locker. What I mean by nervous, just a lot of twitches. You know, he would leave and come back, and. And then Kruk didn't give a hoot in the world. I mean, as far as you know, he slept in his locker. I'm not kidding you. There were times <laughs> he might have just stayed there. Um, I think there was one year they cleaned out of his cleaned out his locker at the end of the year, and they found some uncashed paychecks in his locker. I mean, he just wow. he he was about the game. He was yeah. he hated everything else except the you know the two and a half three hours of the game. I never played with anybody that was more intense than Kruk. But before and after, couldn't care less. 
And then you just went around, you had Dave Hollins, Mickey Morandini, and Mariano Duncan, and Dunk kept everybody loose. So this is a long answer to your question. So it was a great, it was a great experience to play with those guys. Really taught me a lot and helped me stay in the big leagues as long as I did. I just want to add one more thing. I mean, they yeah. The Phillies 1993 video was narrated by Harry Callis, and they actually show when you came into the locker room and Dalton and everybody was greeting you. Just you know, for like your first day or whatever. Check that out if you can. It was called I think Whatever I've seen It Takes, dude. Yeah, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Incredible that. video. Uh, Actually, Dykstra. Lenny uh, was the narrator. Okay. It's interesting you brought up Harry. Uh, so I, at the, when I got called up, I was dating a gal who's now my wife. We got married like the year later, whatever. And so I'm out, I'm at home like a month ago getting ready for this trip and we're just chit-chatting. Somehow Harry's name came up in conversation and she looked at me and she goes, oh man, Harry is great, man. I, I love getting to know him. And I'm like, what are you talking about getting to know Harry? I mean, it's been a long time, right? She goes, oh yeah. So I totally forgot, you know, we lived out in Media, Pennsylvania. Um, okay. when I was there in 93. We bought a house. We lived out there the whole time that I played. And that year, I think it might have been the second year, um, we'd come back from road trips and my wife would come pick me up late at night from the vet. And every night, Harry, Harry was always like, hey, stop. Hey, Brooke, can I get a ride home? Because we lived really close to Harry. <laughs> and Harry wasn't going to be driving. I mean, he just was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, I didn't realize. And I was so tired. I'd sit in the back and Harry would sit in the front. And those two got to know each other. And I just was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, my wife's telling me stories about Harry Callis. I'm like, and she, they just had a great time. Oh yeah, it was great. It was a really neat little story. So yeah, Harry was, uh, Harry was more like a player, at least to me, to you guys, I'm sure he meant something different, but to me, he was more like just another player because he was in the back of the bus. He was, we were drinking beer with him. We were, you know, okay. he was just one of us. That's how Harry was. Same with Richie. Same with Richie when I got to know him in 93. Kevin, thanks for coming on again. You bet. Um, you bet. For the average Joe Schmo who doesn't really understand, and for those of us who who played sports in the past, going back to the 93 team, not really was too much expected out of the team, but can you just explain to the average fan what it takes, the grind, and then when you get there, you know, unfortunately the Phillies fell short, what kind of toll that has and what it takes to overcome that? Well, that's a good question. So it's definitely a grind. It's a two-part grind. Right? So the hardest grind is the mental part of it. So you you start, the mental starts in spring training of trying to make the team. There's, you know, and nowadays they all sign big contracts. Back then they're making the team. So the mental grind of having to get up every day at the same time, follow a route, uh, the same routine every single day, so that by game time at 7 o'clock or 7.30 when that bell rings, you are ready to play at a level that is right on the edge of, you know, where you've got to be, where you're just so focused. And doing that every day is super hard. What A lot of times what happens is if you have married or friends or fans, sometimes they get put on the back burner. And I know that sounds bad, but that's kind of the truth. You're so focused. If I had to go back again, I, t I say this now, if I could go back again, I would try to have more fun and relax and that sort of thing. But when you're in the midst of it, you play with these blinders on. So the mental part of it is really tough. On top of that, if you're on a team that loses every day, like when I played in Tampa down in, for, uh, for the uh, Devil Rays, we, we were out of it by the second month. In. We were done. Like the Reds. The Reds are out of it. They're done. 
So now they still got to play the rest of the year. And mentally what happens is you shift from, you literally shift from trying to win as a team to individual. You go to individual stats, try to save your job. That's kind of, and it's just not any fun. It's not the same. So that's the mental part. The physical grind of it though becomes, you know, I, I would lose a good 10 pounds every year. It just was automatic. I just couldn't keep it on because you're eating it so late at night. You're getting up at strange hours. You're going on the road. It doesn't seem like a big deal until you do it for seven months straight and you start to realize, man, I'm, you know, I'm losing weight. I'm not eating right. Um, you're tired all the time. So then on your off days, you just want to sit around. And if you're married and have kids, they're not going to let you do that. And so the physical grind and mental grind combined can be really tough. And not only that, I didn't, you don't get to pick your friends, guys. Like I, I played with 25 guys. I got lucky. We are still really close. We have a tech, we text all the time, all of us. But I also played with other teams where I'm like, I don't like that guy and I don't like that guy and that guy shouldn't <laughs> be playing baseball. And because not everybody played as hard as I did. Not, I, not every, it's like Larry Bowen. He, he had a hard time. It was great. We had our fights, but not everybody plays like Larry. He can't because he plays at such a high intensity. He lives his life like that. You know, that's just so you don't get to pick your friends, man. So when you get to the off season, that's why a lot of times you like to get away. So, yeah, it's a physical and mental grind. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, uh, I got two questions for you real quick. You mentioned on the grind a little, and there's no better grind than the minor league level. I mean, I, I get the chance to cover the minor leagues doing, you know, my podcasts and such. And, and the minor league level, it's a grind. I tell you, it's, it's, it's crazy how much those minor league level, you know, those guys in the minor league level go through and such. But uh, for you, what was the minor league level like when you played? Because it has changed so much, especially nowadays when you see these beautiful facilities the nutrition is at a higher level than it's ever been in baseball. I mean, what, what was it like when you had played at the minor league level? Well, before I answer your question, Dylan, who lets you on as a Blue Jay fan on this podcast? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> you work for the Blue Jays? Like, what is happening? I didn't agree to, didn't agree to any of this. <laughs> I'm just teasing, Dylan. I'm just giving you a hard time. I appreciate you wearing the TV, though. I love those jerseys. Hey, uh, a really good question. So minor leagues back there for me, um, totally different. So we, yeah, we were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for our, you know, before the game. That's just, that was like a plus if we could get that. Um, you know, we were, we had equipment. If you, you were lucky to have two pair of cleats, you know, you, I had an agent and I was a second round pick. So I was considered kind of a bonus kid because I was high in the second round. Nothing like what I have now, but I, my, I had an agent at the time too because of that. So I could get, he could get me, two or three pair of cleats for the season. Now, of course, it's a little bit different. But, you know, we were making, I think we were making 750 bucks a month. Um, it's about what we were making for that way. You have your meal money. It's a lot, lots of Waffle House sitting on the bus. That's where you much eat all the time. I'm not joking. I, I didn't know Waffle House until I came to the East Coast, guys. I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah. Place. Um, so, yeah. So, like, we went, I remember going down my first my first gig when I flew all the way down. I, I got off the airplane after getting drafted. I signed. They sent me to Spartanburg, South Carolina, which was the long, it was a long A club at a level below Clearwater. And so I get off the plane and I didn't, I, don't laugh at me, you guys. This is dead serious. I got off the plane and I'm like, there was nobody there to pick me up. And I'm like, so what do I do? I had no idea. I was 21 out of college. I'm like, okay. So yeah. I picked up the phone. I called Collect because we had pay phone. I picked up the pay phone. I called Collect and called my older brother. I had a brother who was drafted by the Phillies, believe it or not, like three years earlier. And he played one year and then did something else. But And he said, I can't believe you're calling me. Just jump into a cab and go to the field. 
So at one o'clock, I go to the field and it's smoking hot, super hot in the summer. I walk onto the field through the left field wall. They were practicing. I've got my suitcase in one hand. I've got my baseball gear in the other. And I walk on and there's Mel Roberts, who Mel mm. Roberts was on our 93 team. But Mel was my first minor league manager. And I get in and because I joined the team, somebody had to be released. And so somebody was released, I instantly had a roommate who, wherever he was, is where I was moving in. That's just kind of how it worked. So I moved in and started playing a ball. And then from there, it was just a series of buses. It was, it was, uh, you know, eating when you can. I mean, it was different. Now don't get me wrong. It wasn't like we were starving. They took care of us. I mean, we still got to play baseball every day. You know, we had bus and so forth. So, but we certainly didn't have, we didn't have strength guys. We didn't have weights. There were no weights in the clubhouse, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a mental coach or a performance coach. And so a lot of those things, certainly we didn't have. And, and that's, uh, uh, that's something that the kids really, um, I think it's great that they're able to do it. I don't think they realize anything different, but yeah. So there you go. Now, Kevin, I have a question for uh, if Vince or, or Aaron has a question as well. So going back to the collect phone call now, or Two ways you could have done this back in the day. One before they had yeah. the it was a nickel dime quarter slots, then it became quarter because everything became a quarter. But right. did you do like the rest of us used to? It was like, <clears throat> please state your name. Hey, it's Kevin. Can you pick me up real quick? All right, hang up. One of those numbers. There you go. Exactly. It was, yeah, please state your name. And then it would go on to my brother Steve and would say, Hey, collect call from Kevin Stalker. Do you accept it or not? That's how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way everybody did yeah, it. It was then, the cheapest yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and then eventually what happened is, is is going back to the question of the minor leagues, then you could go buy a card. I, I figured out you could buy the little card, like a prepaid. I started using that on the road. Like you could go and call. Yeah, so, I mean, come on, man. We're not that old. I mean, we're old, but we're not. I mean, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like I was going, ring, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Vince, I don't know if you have a question, but the floor is yours, sir. Hey, Kevin. Uh, thanks so much, man, thanks. for coming on and for uh, being at that event. Um, that was such an awesome event and uh, raising money for charity and showing up uh, is, is huge. So thanks for doing that. Oh, My yeah, question is about great. the current team. Um, how do you feel about this current Phillies team? And do you think they're going to make the postseason for the first time in a decade? What's your view? How do I feel about it? I, I, I like the team. Okay, I, I've, been, I, I've spent my broadcast I've been doing. Almost all my stuff is in May. So I've got to see them a lot. There's a lot of things I like about the team. I love the starting pitching right now. I think those guys are good. I, I do. I think they're a quality starting staff. Um, uh, just like everybody else, the bullpen right now is frustrating. Kind of ticked me off on the road. Somebody asked me today, like, well, are you worried about the bullpen? I'm not worried yet about the bullpen because they have good arms and, they're, and I think they can do it. But I'm frustrated in that I don't know that the bullpen knows their roles yet. And that's not necessarily on them. I think that Joe needs to say, okay, how are we going to use these guys? And then let him know, like, hey, Sir Anthony, you're going to come in in this situation. Um, you know, whoever it might be, Knebel know if he's going to close or whatever. They get, they need to know their roles. Right now, I think they're kind of guessing at when they come in. So when they come in, they don't really know how to throw. That's just my opinion. I was never a pitcher, but that's just what I see. Familia comes in, he should dominate out of the pen. I think he's older, but he should come in with an aggression. And we saw him in L.A. and He kind of looked like he didn't want to be on the mound and that's not him. So I do think the pen will get better, but I think that the starters have to continue to go six and seven innings. If we go, if the starters go four or five innings, we could be in trouble because then we got to use three or four and we're just getting too many walks out of the bullpen. So I hope that makes sense. If the, if the starters can go six, seven innings, 
And then we can use that setup guy and then get to the closer, kind of like what the Padres did to the Phillies today. The starting pitchers for the Padres is off the charts. They're, they're all going seven innings. Then they use a setup guy and then they have the best closer in baseball. And so that formula to me works really well. I do like the, I like the guys. I like the offense. I think the defensive, um, everybody's been talking about the defense. I think that's overrated because one, Castellanos in right field has been playing really well. I think he looks good out there. He really runs a lot better than I anticipated. Um, Schwarber is who he is. <laughs> he is, <laughs> he, what I mean, I know you can laugh. What I mean by that is you're not going to see Schwarber make diving plays, right? He tried one in LA and I, I thought he was going to hurt himself. It just, He's not that guy, but what he does do well is he can typically make the routine play. He'll make an error. He had one the other night. That was just the tr- that was that was really tough to watch. It's bad on him. His first one. He's going to only make the routine play though, so people need to know that. That means though they are going to have to hit. I mean, they're going to have to score runs. They're going to have to get three, four, five runs a game. I think in order to keep going as it is. You've already seen some of the stats. I think they're the worst in baseball if they score less than three runs or something mattered less than two runs because they're just they got to score runs so i do like that i think the infield is going to be okay clearly they need bryce back in the lineup so harper has to be in there um not just how he hits though and i was explaining this to somebody today when bryce is in that free spot it changes how the opposing pitchers pitch bohm in front of him and how they pitch nick behind him does that make sense? So yeah. Alec Bohm's hitting in the two spot, and Alec can hit. Alec's a player. But now you have Reese Hoskins behind you, and then you have Nick Castellanos. They don't, pitchers don't want to see him, so they're going to throw more pitches and fastballs to Alec Bohm. And he can hit those. So I would want to hit there. That would be the greatest place to hit on this team. When Hoskins is out of there and Schwarber's not hitting, now you become very susceptible. And we've seen that in this series. That's why they're not hitting in this series. I think Reese needs to, as soon as he gets healthy, They'll get back in there and they'll get back on pace. That's what I think. So if that helps, I love Camargo. I think he's a great utility guy. Um, Didi, I think Didi, I see him out there getting healthy. He'll come back and help, I think. I do think he'll help. Stott's okay, but he's just not quite ready. I don't think he's ready to go every day. I think he still needs to play every day at AAA and then get him back up here. So once Didi's back, um, him and Segura up the middle, I think will be just fine. Well, so they will be playing in October? Yeah, that was the second part of your question. Will they be playing in October? At the beginning of the season, I said yes because of the expanded playoffs, right? So um, I think a better question than will they be playing in October is will they be uh, – let's let's say will they be 10 games over 500? I think that's about where they, they need to win like 85 games. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. If they all stay healthy and if Bryce can stay in the lineup in DH, he's not going to be throwing. I don't, I don't think Bryce will be in there throwing before August, clearly. Um, but if he can stay healthy, the big guns, I think they have a really good shot to get to that 87-88 win season. And I think that gets them in there. I think it gets them in there right at the tail end. Awesome. Barry, I don't yeah. know if you had a question. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, so thank you. Appreciate you for stepping on. Uh Sure. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little new to this. I don't proclaim to be a, a baseball expert. I got uh, hooked to my Phillies around 2008 when we won the World Series with Jay Rowland, Ryan Howard, and those guys like that. And I, I took the time out to really uh, dive into the history of the game. And I hear you speaking about, you know, the '93 team and, and all the guys that you played with and how you guys played. So I wanted to take it a little. I wanted to bring it into the present time and baseball in the present time now. 
um, two-part question, I guess. Uh, what is your take on how the game is approached now when it when it comes to you know all the analytics and you know uh, more about home runs instead of the small ball technique, and then also this uh, phase that we're going to when it comes to the umpires and you know the mentioning of robo umps and things of that nature. Like, what what is your take on both of those situations that are big conversations in the baseball community? Those are good questions. I like your hat, by the way. Um, Thank you. Of course. <laughs> yeah, love the hat. So. Okay, so analytics. So this is where I am with analytics. Much it, analytics makes it harder to broadcast, in a, in a sense. I'm starting to get so I'm speaking from a broadcast before I get to the hitter part. So as I've done more of this broadcasting, I'm starting to see how some of the analytics are very very helpful. Okay, on my end and for a player, if I had some of the information that we uh, back then that they have now, it'd be really helpful. So give an example. Schwarber is really struggling. He can't hit himself. He can't hit himself out of a box right now. He's really, really struggling. He's able to now, back in the past, when we were in a slump, you would go with your hitting guy and they would look at a film and you'd say, okay, so I think, I think this is, this is what I'm seeing compared to this, this, and you're going off of like video really and a little bit of feel. And, and that's kind of what, and then you would, you would try to work off a T on what works for you. With Schwarber, he does that. And now you can go and look at, some some numbers some analytics last year for example he was getting 10 to 13 percent doesn't sound like much but it is more fastballs than he's getting now the pitchers are throwing him a ton of curveballs and changeups way more than he's seen in the past the numbers reflect that so that number there should tell him okay i'm getting beat now he knows now he should know already on an internal clock he knows i'm i'm having trouble with the curveball but now there's information backing it up saying, hey, you're getting all these curveballs, so let's make adjustments on that. Those analytics don't do anything on helping you what adjustments to make. That's where you have to have a good hitting guy that knows how to make the proper adjustment. Like JT, he needs some physical adjustments, JT, right yeah. now. Real music. Yeah. He, needs, he needs to do something with his lower half, he, and he knows that he's trying. Analytics aren't going to say anything about that. They're, yeah. they're not. I mean, he has to do it by feel. So it's a combination. So I do like some of the analytics in that way. Um, things like war, you know, wins above replacement. That stuff's for the ownership agents, honestly. Like I asked my agent how they do war. And he said, here, he goes, we do war like this. And the, the head guys for the Phillies do war. Their calculations are different. So I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, how do you go in and fight over salary if they're getting them in different ways? So I don't. Uh, you know, that is, to me, that's for them to worry about. And the, believe it or not, a lot of the players don't think about that as much. Um, analytics for exit velocity, it's just fun. It's fun to say, hey, this is how hard it's hit. Uh, I mean, right. back in the day, Dykstra was hitting those just as hard. They were. Right. Um, the, the launch angle just tells you, it, it, we've seen so many times, like Garrett Stubbs hit a ball one day that was short. And we saw him after the game, and he said to me, he goes, man, I had the right launch angle and the speed. It didn't go out. And I'm like, well, there you go. Like, it doesn't happen every time. So they're kind of fun to talk about, um, and it does tell you if you're hitting, if you're hitting, you know, tons of ground balls. If Mike Fuji's, you know, hitting, you know, you're taking ground. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use it. If you're in there and you make 20 outs, and you, right, you, you make 20 outs, you're like, why am I making, what's going on? And 15 of those are ground ball outs. That and that's based on your launch. My launch angle is like minus two degrees, which is a ground ball. Then right. you know that okay, I got to make an adjustment to get it up a little bit. But it, it's just information. So that that's that. Um, 
the other question was on the umpire. Don't get mad, man, but I'm all in favor. I'm all in favor right now of the electronic umpire. I'm oh, I am okay. so tired. Whoa. I know. I, and here's why. Because if you're gonna show the box, right, then, right, then just get rid of get rid of the arguing. I'm I'm yeah. so over the umpires don't have any chance. They have no chance. Now some are bad. Okay, this shows very. how bad they are. <laughs> some are bad. Yeah, some are very bad. And the box shows that. And so we broadcast, oh, that was terrible. That was terrible, but it's never going to change. Well, if you want it to be right, then you either get rid of the box, let the umpires do their job. Then we really don't know, right? That way, I think the players can then expand their zone and be better. Or go to the electronic system and see if that'll work. Okay, that's where I stand on that. I, I just, you know, you've got a lot of older umpires. Here's how it works, just so you guys know, you may or not, but they have the box. After the game, the umpires get a CD or they get some sort of digital um video and it shows them how they did and they're supposed to review it they're supposed to review how did you do the older umpires just throw it in the trash they watch it <laughs> pretty <episode>. much yeah <laughs> they don't watch it but the younger players that are hungry just like um, just like baseball players umpires are hungry they want to be in the big leagues and stay in the big leagues these young umpires are better they're really good like their statistics are pretty good they're up in the high 90s on their ball strike ratio well, the older guys, a lot of them aren't, and but they're not trying to get any better, and that bothers me too. So I, I'm kind of starting to move toward to see what this electronic system is about. As long as it doesn't slow the game down, as the game's way too long, as long as it doesn't do that, as long as there's still a home plate umpire, you still have to have somebody back there. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just like I said, if I know you guys watch, and you must get upset when you see Angel Hernandez. Sorry, Angel, but you see the other Angel Hernandez. He's like, right. and he's like so bad. And you just get so frustrated at the TV or whatever, wherever you're watching. You know how we feel in the broadcast booth because I can't just – I'll say, that's terrible, that's terrible. Well, Andrew Hernandez, it was like every pitch. And after a while, you, you don't want to hear that. I can't say that. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I am with that. <laughs> Funny enough, I just saw him on Wednesday against the Rays. And speaking of the Rays, Kevin, I want to I want to bring this up uh, real quick. Obviously, you got the chance to play with an expansion franchise at the time with the Tampa Bay Rays, Tampa Bay Double Rays at the time, which so happy That's they right. brought back jerseys a few years ago. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about you playing with the Devil Rays. I've only had one opportunity to interview a Devil Rays player, and that was Jim Morris a few years back. But um, Talking about the Devil Rays, and obviously this has kind of been a big topic recently as well with the Rays. You know, they've been kind of in fluctuation about getting a new stadium, possibly going to Montreal. You know, for your short time with the team, and obviously the team was still kind of building and, you know, kind of getting their foot in the door, if you will, in the major leagues. What was kind of the general reception and ju- kind of just the atmosphere of playing at the Trop and <laughs> those first three years because i know the team wasn't that great but i'd imagine the city had to be excited to have a major league baseball team for the first time in the team's history or for the first time in the city system yeah dylan that's a funny question actually yeah so we we were i appreciate you saying yeah the team wasn't that great we were terrible we were terrible (laughs) we we were losing 98 games a year 100 games a year and we had a lot of veterans on that team so to give you an idea, the first question is, what was the energy like? It was rough. The first couple of years were rough. I went down. Our spring training site was in St. Petersburg. Just so you know, too, it's in St. Petersburg. So it's 30 miles over that causeway, even a little further from Tampa. Our spring training site, I go down. This was in 1998, the first year. My, my whole family would go down early so I could work out. Again, I learned that from the 93 Phillies. You go in January. You don't go in February. You go early and work out. I'm like, all right. I go down, I have to go to the dentist. I go to the dentist in St. Petersburg. Okay, I'm a mile away from Tropicana Field. 
and I'm in the dentist chair and, and the gal is working on my teeth and she says, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I, I play for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And she says, oh, so is that a new soccer team that we have here? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I literally, I know, but I, I literally could stick my head out the window and see the stadium. And even she had no idea what was going on. Now, oh. that that tells you a little bit about the energy. Of, it just it, it just wasn't quite there. We sold out opening day, and then the next day it was like in half. You know, it went way down. So playing the Tropicana Field was a tough. It's a dome. All domes are tough. I played in some of the old domes, like the King Dome, and I played in Minnesota and the Astrodome. Um, at least the new ones we have now are better. But yeah, Tropicana was it was it was tough. It's uh, that field for me. I had a hard time just on the field because it went, it went field turf to dirt to field turf, and so different speeds caused me some problems. But man, I mean, other than Dick Vital, he was always at every game, and he was great. Other than that, we didn't get a lot of fans, and so it was tough for three years. We just we couldn't draw the fan. And here's the other thing: you guys will appreciate this. Imagine. Imagine you guys going down to the vet, which you just said you guys grew up in the vet and you love the vet. Yep. And, yes, and the owner of the vet, this would never happen here, but this is a, an example. You're at the vet, it's sold out, and your owner's, bet, your owner's best friends with the New York Yankees, George Steinbrenner. So when they come in for three games, they play Frank Sinatra, okay? Or they play all the Yankee music, right? Whatever they oh. use. That happened to us. So we would go in Tropicana. Our owner was best friends with Steinbrenner. We would sell out when the Yankees came because of all the transplants. So they're all Yankees fans. We'd have 30,000 fans, and 10 of them were for us, and the rest were for the other team. <laughs> and so he would, play, he would play, you know, Frank Sinatra, whatever, you know, all that old-time music. And we're like, what the – what is yeah. happening? Like, this yeah. is like the Twilight Zone. The same thing would happen. still home. <laughs> yes. And the, well, it didn't feel like it, though, right? So right. Atlanta, Atlanta would come into town. It'd be the same, kind of the same way. We'd get all the Atlanta transplants from Orlando. Another, uh, yeah, from Orlando. That's where Disney is, right? Oh, is that Disney? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I think it's over there. Anyway, so we'd get all these Atlanta fans in, and it was packed for the Braves. And so you can imagine when I come from Philly, from Philly, where you guys, you know, you bleed, you know, wins and losses, and and that's only what I knew. To down there, where it was, it was just losses tougher. And losses. <laughs> They really turned it around. They, I mean, what they've done down there right now is amazing how they are able, they're young talent. They know what they're doing with what they have. But um, until they, if they could ever move that stadium to Tampa, if they moved to Tampa, if they could get into Tampa, I think they would draw really well and they would do pretty well, much better than St. Petersburg. But they're, they're always going to have issues with getting transplants as, you know, 50-50 fans. So that part was really tough. Yeah. Yeah, well, so. that they are. And by the way, we do have footage from back when, the, uh, as you said, when they were terrible. We did ask a fan many years ago, do you know exactly what a Tampa Bay Devilry is? And here's his reaction. What the hell is even that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. that, is, that is the Tampa Bay Devil Rays fan. So we had to throw oh one back gosh, in there. but. Angel. <laughs> and just it's, it's one of those things but if you guys are just joining us we have kevin stocker here former phillies shortstop number 19 on with us and the segment has been brought to you by in two part here i'll bring back my screen what is by philly sports if you guys want to travel with the pros travel with philly sports they put excellent packages together and i will tell you for a couple of events 
that we were at for the tailgate experience, you guys are missing out. And I will say it again, and I will say it loudly. You guys are missing out. It is the best tailgate experience that you can have. Vince will make you feel at home if his wife is traveling with him. It's the same exact way. I mean, everyone, Bob Kavanaugh, the whole gang will make you feel like you have been part of the family for years, even if they haven't been around for years. That's how good they'll make you feel. Matter of fact, they'll make you feel just as old as the Phillies since 1883. Phillysportstrips.com has been around. That's the feeling that you get because it's so good. So if you guys have not traveled with the pros, please visit Phillysportstrips.com. Check out the trips that are up and coming. The only one that Vince won the missing here is the Scotland Golf Trip. Probably the only one at, out of all of them. But that's okay, Vince. I'll just jump in there for you. No problem. I'm getting my passport ready, so it's no big deal. And also, if you're in the Tampa area, from the Pretzel Haas, pretzel-haas.com, their Carowood location is open soon in Dunedin. If you guys are looking, just like we do in Philadelphia, if you're looking for gourmet sandwiches with a pretzel twist, please visit their Carowood location in and off Dale, Mary, Dale Mayberry Avenue. If you guys end up taking the chance to go out there, uh, they just extended their hours until 8 in the evening, and they're planning on extending it up until midnight. And soon we will be broadcasting over there from the Pretzel House. So another new show coming up for you guys and girls. So uh, please visit them uh, by all means. Uh, if you're in the Tampa area, please visit pretzelhouse.com. Again, with Philly Sports Trips. And by the way, and I would just, and I never bring up the camera myself, but this is the part where you guys remember if you do the drinking game. So if you do not have one of these on, and I'm hoping that someone is looking at this, has his on. There you go. See there. I, I want to just want to double check, make sure he had it on there. But if you don't have the Philly Sports Trips.com bracelet, well, drink whatever you have in your hand, whether it's coffee, milk, and whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just take a swig, but uh, Kevin, listen, it, it's been great to throw back. And by all means, please come back because we're going to switch little gears here with the Sixers. You're more than welcome to hang around with us. But uh, if you get the chance, come back because I will say personally, and we've had Ruben Amaro on. Um, we we had the opportunity of speaking to Charlie Manuel. We're going to have him on, on the show here uh, shortly. But with the guys that we've had on, it's been great talking to you because you have a way to paint the picture of everything that, that you've been able to do in your career. And it's it just like watching TV within TV. And I say it with Dylan. Dylan can broadcast a game and sound so smooth that all you got to do is just close your eyes, listen to Dylan, and he just does a great play-by-play -play commentary. So what you've shared with us has been absolutely fantastic. So please do not be a stranger. Come back onto the show anytime you want to come on because we always enjoy it just like Aaron Aaron, the, the first time around when he came on with us, he he got to know exactly what we're like. And we, at the time, we had busted uh, Ryan Neff's chops a whole lot that night because he had a brick wall behind him. But uh, by all means, hang around if, if you would like to do so, is, sir. Uh, if I come back on, is Dylan going to be on there, the Blue Jay? I mean, is, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I, uh, Dylan, I'm just can... it, but I will say this, and I'll probably, I'll probably go, but in your defense, I want you to know, Every year, I have three kids. My kids have all been born in different cities, Philly, and then when I was in Tampa and up in, in Washington, where I live. Every year, my kids now, 22, 23, and 25, send me a text on Joe Carter's birthday letting me know it's his birthday. Oh, <laughs> How about that? Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Every year, every year. Hey, Dad, did you know Joe Carter's birthday today? Every one of them. So, <laughs> just saying. Wow, that's, that's how, a rough that's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank you. You guys are great. I'm going to head out because I'm going to go eat some dinner. 
But sure. Other than that, thank you for that, taking so. the time and calling. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. You Thanks, got it, guys. Okay. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. Go Phil. No kidding. See ya. Go Phil. Okay. <laughs> I got it. All righty. That was a great segment there with, with Kevin Stalker. And, and you guys will have the opportunity to catch and replay, of course, on broadstreetsouth.com, broadstsouth.com, and also the audio download so you guys can listen to it from Brazil to Italy to Germany to even, yes, Jersey, all the way over there across the pond. Yes, those folks over there, but uh, everywhere in the Tampa region and on the left coast, also known as the West Coast. Uh, and I won't even get into that stuff over there, but it, it is what it is. Before we go to phillysportstrips.com and check out the not only Eagles road games, but you'll be traveling with the best with those road games. And I hope to get down to Houston because Houston is going to be – I know Arizona is a big one. I get it. I understand it. You know, I'm, I'm heartbroken because I won't be there, but I will be a stowaway in Vince Baggage. Even though he, well, I, I guess I shouldn't have said it, but now he knows, but it's okay. But uh, listen, the Arizona trip is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the Houston trip is going to be hopefully very spectacular with yep. a visit, and I, and, and I did get confirmation. So Andy Kalou will be with the Houston trip. So Andy oh, Kalou yes. and, and a very good possibility, the entire Andy Kalou show will be there as well as we will hopefully get a radio slash podcast going uh and we'll make the arrangements to make sure that happens so it will be big sarge uh gordy uh all of us wind up being there vince of course will be there as well because we have plenty of mics uh, except for my co-host apparently he says he prefers to go to alaska before he goes to houston i don't know why don't ask me it's just one of those things but it, it's I'm, open. I'm open i'm open you know i'm a texans fan angel Yes, we know we were trying to leave you out there, Toronto, but it's all right. Thanks for telling well, us. Your friend plays for the Texans, then. Yeah, yeah that's why he's a fan. Yeah, that's why I root for the Texans. Yeah, that's news. why. Mm. So you're a TB12 guy. Like, I am. Like I host, still am a TB12 like guy. I got I to gotta support my boy, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. But now, switching gears here when it comes to the Sixers, and Aaron, we know the night that uh, you were going to come on with us, we know you got the assignment to uh, probably the assignment that you want to forget, but you got the assignment for the Sixers that evening. And uh, what we hope was going to be a better turnout, I I couldn't really believe what had happened. I know Joel Embiid, obviously, his eye socket uh, ended up playing a bigger factor into it. We know he also had like kind of the jam thumb, so we understand that as well. There was a lot of factors that came into what went wrong and the bench, Aaron. We talked about it when the last time you were on. Probably the worst bench in the NBA. I mean, they, they couldn't – if they can shoot ice through a bucket, they couldn't even get that one done either because it would actually melt before even hit the bucket. It's how bad the Sixers were. But we heard through a press conference with Daryl Morley – he said that, yes, guaranteed Doc will be back next season and that James Harden will be back, but more kind of, I guess, like the utility-type player because they know that he's already past his prime. Uh, he's already come down to the point where he understands that he has past his prime as well. So is it worth, I'm going to start off with this one, to pay James Harden $47 million to basically be a utility man? It's, it's, it's difficult for me. Uh, on two on two uh, levels of this, um, James Harden Harden is needed for one uh, because we don't have a point guard. Uh, it's definitely best suited that uh, Tyrese Maxey is a more of a two guard essentially. So he is needed. So we're all, the Sixers are in a, a situation where 
letting James Harden go is really isn't an option essentially like that because they have nothing left. We just talked about you started off talking about the bench. You get rid of James Harden, what else do you have left? So is he worth the 47 million? I think we all can say no, absolutely not, especially after what he displayed. Uh, will he get it? It remains to be seen. Um, he obviously James Harden did mention uh, he was asked di- uh, directly in the press conference asking uh, would he take a pay cut uh, if the team needed him to to be able to strengthen the team and he said out his own his own mouth that he's willing to do anything to be able to help this team grow and get to where it needs to be when it comes uh, to strengthening his team at his weakness which is the bench. It's good to hear, but obviously uh, it's something that we has has to be seen. Uh, like you said, going forward, just looking at that game, I was just totally embarrassed and just like the fight and the, the grit that they gave overall when it came to the game. I just wasn't uh, it just wasn't acceptable, essentially. And I'm a little bit of the minority in this boot. And don't, don't get me wrong. I love Joel B as much as any uh, Philly fan out there, mm-hmm. Philadelphia fan out there. But I am a person that looks at. The greatest players, those are the moments that that make them great, essentially like that. You have the – I know it's not on the same spectrum, but Michael Jordan with the flu game. Allen Iverson in 2001, when we went to the championship, he had a whole commercial (laughs) about every injury that he had from head to toe that 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 whole year. Uh, going into the finals. So I did expect him to give more effort uh, on that floor and show some leadership because, as you could tell, he didn't have to have a crazy offensive outpouring to be able to win against the Heat, and we've seen it in game three and four. He scored 24 and 18 points in, in that order, but they totally defensively dominated the the Heat team. Obviously, winning by double digits the first game, and then the, uh, the fourth game winning it by uh, eight points. So I was a little bit, uh, I would say, disappointed in Joel Embiid not giving it, emptying the clip for per se. Like go out there and give more than what's expected because I thought we was over that hump with Joel Embiid because we've seen it before when he's hurt. He tends to lean on that injury a lot more. And initially with the thumb, he he played through it. He still was giving the good games. But once he got hit in the face that and in the in the game when the ball hit him in the face, we all knew it was going to be over. And ever since then, he never stepped foot back into the pain again. Taking eight threes that game, which is like that's a mm-hmm. telltale sign that Joel B really didn't want to mix it up and bang down low when it came to that game. Aaron, just to touch on uh you're Daryl Morey. What's your first – what's your number one priority going into this offseason as a Sixers GM? Well, definitely, uh, believe it or not, I, like I started the last uh, question off, we have to sign James Harden because we don't have a, a, a point guard. So it's basically getting the deal that works uh, right for the team to be able to keep him – but also be able to add to the team. Now, this is where the crossroad comes in when it comes to this offseason, that this team has to make a, a a very important decision when it comes to adding to this team because there's only two ways that we can do this. I know there's a lot of speculation out there when it comes to uh, bringing in a third star, and that's the reports out there that Darren Morey, I think Windhorse was one of the ones that mentioned it, that, that He's basically star looking for that third star. 
Well, when you give up a third, when you try to get a third star, like the likes of like a Bradley Bill, a Zach Levine, who is now in the reports, you have to give up something. The Sixers don't have a lot of uh, of capital to be able to actually give out the trade away. You have Tobias, but is anyone really wanted to take Tobias on that contract straight up? You don't want to add Maxi into the to the equation, but due diligence without saying, hey, we want Maxi in the deal along with Tobias Harris. Yes, the perfect world would be Tobias and Thibault and go and get us a star and, and we good with that, but it just doesn't work like that. And then we don't have uh, first rounders to even give up as well. So we're very uh, limited in the resources that we can have to make a trade, which I didn't understand in his post, in his presser after the year, saying that they're still flexible. I didn't see where they were flexible at when it came to that. Or also taking the other route and saying, hey, we have an acquisition in uh, Tobias Harris where we can move and possibly get, might not be a star level player, but multiple pieces to be able to really make an NBA roster. So they have to go into this offseason really figuring out if they want to go get their third star and have to look at like veteran minimums. And I think we have a trade exception and things of that nature like that as well that we can use to maybe pluck some other free agencies like, a let's say, a PJ Tucker, who's a free agent, or a Marky, Marcus Morris, uh, who's another free agent as well this year. Someone like that just to uh filling those holes in the uh on the bench but it's definitely those are the two that's the one question and the uh, two things that they have to look to that i look to that they're going to have to figure out going into this offseason there's rumors swirling realistically of of the donovan mitchell trade happening what do you see from that just rumors hearsay uh, just going into the offseason well i look at it i look at it like this one, the 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 world, the NBA knows the Sixers are looking, you know. So when you hear uh, a star or, or reports coming out of Utah stating that it's basically a fight between who stays and who goes between Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell, obviously it's easy to put philly in that category of saying it's like the eagles every year every time it's a a big name on the market that want to be trading right. anything that is always mentioned that howie roseman is in in on it which is daryl Morey also is the same type of person who likes to make deals who likes to make trades and obviously is known that the sixers need help when it comes to that now will we love a donovan mitchell absolutely is it when I look at it right now, is it something that's uh, uh, doable? Maybe, but is it likely? I would say right now, I would lean towards not likely, uh, because obviously, what 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 do we have to give up? And then obviously, the contract that we have to that we taking on as well. And it all depends on James Harden as far as what he actually takes when it comes to this extension that he will be getting. Aaron, let's let's keep it real. I mean, game five and game six, the Sixers didn't show up. That was just a lackluster effort in game five and six. And what shocked me even more, after the season's over, obviously Maury said that Doc Rivers is coming back. That surprised me, to be quite honest with you. It's also evident that I think Doc and Harden have sort of a – I wouldn't even call it a relationship. It's obviously to me that James Harden really doesn't like to play for him for some odd reason. And then the other thing is, if Embiid goes to management, we all know how Embiid and Beal are really good friends. 
Yeah. If Embiid were to go to management and say, get Beal in here, let's see what we can do, what do you think happens? Well, just to touch on the Embiid thing, I mean, that was reported in the season that that was one of the people that Embiid uh, spoke about uh, to management as far as going to go. It came out after the trade for uh, James Harden uh, went down maybe a week, I would say, after it went down. That That's was something that Joel has been reaching out to, uh, really trying to get in uh, them for a trade. Um, when it when it it's something that's doable for sure, but it it all depends on how much Bradley Bill wants to get out of Washington because he's also stated that he loves he loves Washington. He wants to stay there, his family. X, Y, and Z. So it, it's two parts to it because they're not just going to give him up for anything, but he also has to – because there's other teams out there that can use a Bradley Bill, like like in L.A., uh, both L.A. teams essentially. I know Golden State was early on in the year. They talked about it as well. And obviously the low-level teams like Sacramento, uh, things of that nature like that, who can use someone like a Bradley Bill. But – that's not that's not where he's at in his career is to be is to be believed is that he wants to win but he's really trying to work it out there so overall to me Bradley Bill has to somewhat force his way out of out of uh Washington essentially uh but it's something that's definitely doable because at this point in time in Joel and B's career he let the organization do a whole lot over the years and he's just sat there like a good soldier saying what he's I'll leave that up to them. I'll leave that up to them. I just play. I just play. But now that he's in his prime, he's been robbed for two MVPs already. He's been injured in the playoffs all his career and never having someone to actually be able to pick up the slack where he unable to lift it at. They have to start listening to the big guy. I know that's a big sin that that, that uh, organization shouldn't listen to players. Yes, you don't listen to him tooth and nail, but he should be considered – in a process like this because he has to be the one to play uh play and has to be happy essentially because you don't want to lose essentially a top five top three player in the nba over not getting him what he want because that's what it is with it in today's society and then oh just to answer your question quickly about james harton and, and doc rivers i don't i wouldn't say he doesn't necessarily like uh playing with him i but i do believe there are some uh, offensive differences that they both have, essentially. And I believe that even goes with Joel sometimes how he wants to play, how James wants to play, how you utilize Thibault, how you utilize Tyrese Maxey who likes to run, get him out running more, things of that nature. So I do believe there are uh, concepts and offensive style, uh, play styles that they might not agree on, but as far as him necessarily not liking Doc Rivers, I don't see, I don't see that uh, actually being an issue. Hey Aaron, real quick. I don't. I don't want to shy away at all from the Sixers, but I mean, the Orlando Magic big day on Tuesday night. We got the number one pick. I'm very excited. My depression as a Magic fan is halfway over now. <laughs> I just hope that we have a, a decent team to root for heading into the the fall portion of the season. But uh, no, quick question, real quick about the Orlando Magic. You know, obviously a team that's kind of been in disarray the last couple of years. We've traded. A lot of our star players, you know, we've kind of had guys go through this organization on and off. And, you know, we've had some great players who have came through and have really contributed. But we just end up trading them like when they start getting good in their prime. So uh, <laughs> real quick question, though, what 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 do you think 
who do you think I should say could be coming to Orlando with that number one pick? I've heard Chet Holmgren. Obviously, he's good friends with some of the management. Obviously, Jalen yeah. Suggs. They got the Gonzaga connection. But I, I'm a big fan of, I believe it's Jabari Smith, if I'm not mistaken. I'm okay. a big fan of him, man. He's a really good player for Auburn. Well, who do you think the Magic take with number one? I mean, this is a franchise piece here coming to the Orlando Magic. And I, again, I don't want to shy away from the Sixers, but it was a big night on Tuesday for my Orlando Magic. So, no, I, I, I totally go ahead. No, I, got I, his, I, I said obviously he's got his hat on. He's got the Magic hat on. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Pardon, no, I, uh, no, you're good. Uh, like I said, it, it's definitely. This is definitely a because all those guys that you mentioned are definitely uh, uh, people that, that that organizations look to that can be franchise altering essentially. Like you say, you got a Chet who's very versatile, being a seven footer essentially like that. Uh, Jabari, who you missing? I, who I love uh, as a tech style, just you know, pure uh, uh, score, uh, uh, athletic things of that nature like that. So those will be my my two guys specifically. Um, I know I've watched Chet this past uh, year. I, I I am a believer he probably should have stayed another year, and 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 that's that coming from me. <laughs> I, I'm I'm always like, listen, if you got a chance to go and make some money, go go make go make your money. But just seeing his play uh, last year, he, he still is a bit raw. Obviously, the body aspect and the weight and that, all that—that's that's. I don't know how much that's going to happen because some people you can look at like a Kevin Durant who's been in the league twelve years and still only a hundred and hundred and forty pounds to this day. So I, I'm not worried about that aspect of it, but just his his ability to just learn and I don't know how fast he's able to pick up the NBA. But as far as me, I me personally would go with Jabari. Me personally, because I that's the style of play, but they have guards there. Uh, you have a um, not necessarily a wing as far as a, a real small forward, but they have guards there. Like you say, you got Jalen Suggs there. Uh, uh, uh to be back, obviously. Uh, but I think they'll go big. I think they'll go with Chet. Chet is like I would say safe. I would say, but also has a very high. Uh, 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 ceiling when it comes to what he can be, and then putting him back next to Wagner, who uh, who's what he made a uh, second team all rookie this year as well. So, I, I me personally, I would probably go with Chet because I like that they finally get in the big, uh, that that versatile with scoring, but also can play defense as well because they, they have enough guards down there, enough wing players for sure, <laughs> definitely for sure. Yeah, again, Orlando <laughs> Magic 2023 NBA Finals, by the way. Oh man, but Sean has a comment here. He's been uh patiently waiting for his comment to be read here. But he says, Uh, hey guys, uh, does Andre Drummond come back? And if not, there's a rumor we trade for Jackson Hayes from the Pelicans. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, well, it's just to touch on the 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 Jackson uh Hayes again, a young big athletic. Uh, ideal backup for Joel Embiid just to give you some solid minutes, give you defense, energy, lobs, things of that nature like that. Our biggest problem with making trades this year is just the assets that we have. We only really have one asset, essentially. If we're sitting here saying that in all cases right now, it looks like Tyrese Maxey is an untouchable, we only have one real asset that is – 
tradable, essentially, uh, which is kind of crazy, is, is Tobias Harris. And you could probably throw in a Thibault in the mix to, you know, sweeten the pot and mix contracts, mixing uh match, rather. But what would the Pelicans do with Tobias Harris? You know, when you have yeah. someone like uh, Zion, who's on his way back, CJ, who's there. Like, so it was like, what, what would you, how would he mix in with that, with something like that? So I would say that is a rumor. And it's like I said, just another case of people knowing that the Sixers need a backup uh, center as well. Uh, obviously, because they didn't develop anyone to back him up. And then the drumming aspect of it, he's a free agent. Um, Originally, when he was with us, it looked like he was on the trajectory of actually, you know, maybe cashing out this offseason. But how the season ended uh, in uh, the Nets, he possibly could have missed out on a, a a bigger a bigger bag, as the young people would say nowadays, <laughs> a bigger <Yeah>. bag. <laughs> but um, I can see that happening, though. Uh, the, the underlining story when it comes to that James Harden trade Andre Drummond and Seth Curry were basically what you call casualties of war, essentially like that. They never wanted to be moved. They never wanted to be traded. And especially Seth Curry, where as the time went along, they actually wanted Thibu, but obviously with his uh, VEC status, they had to switch it up and put Seth in. So Seth wasn't even in the mix at first. So those two guys, I definitely can see a pathway back to um, – the, the Sixers and Drummond, I mean, other than being back in Detroit, it's probably one of his better seasons that he has in a, in a good while, essentially, was with us prior until he went to the Nets and then totally faded away. So I could definitely see a uh, pathway of, of getting Drummond back on a good, friendly deal. Maybe one of the mid-level exceptions that we have, give him $5 million, uh, $3 million, because you can split the mid-level exception in half and get two players instead of using it for one. So maybe 3.5, something like that can work and get Drummond back in here on another one year. All right, well, we're going to switch topics here for a moment because Rick Marcus, who's probably tuning in from Southwest and uh, probably just missed the segment, but he says, has the topic of what former Phillies that passed from what might have been the turf at Vet Stadium talked about. Uh, unfortunately, Kevin Stocker has been gone now for like the last 20 minutes. Um, Rick, so no, it, it was not brought up. We did bring up the, the, the vet as far as the turf playing on it, but not uh, which former one uh, to, to answer your question. So no, unfortunately, Kevin had to run, um, but he did give us some I was going to ask him that. Were you? Yeah. I was going to ask him that, and I was like, the vibe is too good tonight. Let's not bring that up. Oh. <laughs> Let's bring it down. We're ending it with that. I agree. <laughs> well, the passing of David West last week, who right. yeah. was on the 93 yeah. Phillies. Yeah, love well, to get his thoughts on that offline, though, Angel. Oh, we'll find out. We'll, we'll um, definitely get the answer for you. We're scheduled sure, yeah. to have Mickey Moore and Dini on in a couple weeks, so be you know we'll get right to that. Yeah, eventually at some point. No, that we will. Now, I went switch gears here because it's been bonus time tonight because of again we had Kevin Stocker on earlier. He gave us 45 minutes of great content, and he I was actually trying in the process as we were having the show tonight to go back to in 94 sometimes. I, I, I love those guys. I truly do. I don't understand why they don't ever now put the entire show afterwards as a podcast like most radio stations do. They take bits and pieces of what they feel like is the most important part of their segments, and they throw it up there on the site. 
And so I try to go back so we can play Kevin's segment when he was on this morning. But unfortunately, I guess he wasn't important enough for 94 WIP. Uh, <laughs> no shade thrown there whatsoever to be able to put the man on. I mean, come on. He, you got him on this morning. Mitch Williams, obviously, who had death threats oh, after 93. I mean, it would have been a great segment to bring back. Well, Kevin was here, but I tried to look it up. And unfortunately, I, I don't know. I'll have to talk to the people over there at 94. Apparently, they... they <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'll leave it at that. And as we switch gears here over to Philly sports trips, I also want to remind everyone, if you guys can, by all means, because tonight the show is dedicated to Kate Navarro. And if you guys get the opportunity, go to the Eagles Mania Facebook page, right? Make sure you look up the correct one. It's the one that's got the Eagles logo on there. But go on there, click on the article that you saw earlier for Katie Navarro's family to make sure if you can please donate to the GoFundMe. As you guys can see, it's scrolling there at the bottom. But if you can, please, so they can uh, make it a little bit easier when it comes to funeral expenses. Because again, everything right now is beyond unreasonable. Gas, eggs, you name it. And when you add an unexpected death like this, then she will be missed by everyone. But when you add something like this, it just adds more pressure and more stress and everything else that we really don't need right now. And I'm pretty sure the family's going through it. So if you can, by the kindness of her, please go to Eagles Mania Facebook page. Look for the GoFundMe, and if you can, contribute as much as you possibly can. Vince, first of all, it's great to see you again. Clearwater was amazing. That was so much fun. Wow. That was, it was a great incredible. time. Yeah. It was it's a great good, time. It's good to be here, man. Well, it's no, no worries whatsoever. And, you know, we try to get you on as much as we possibly can, but you know, we know you're extremely busy. We understand it. Just like now, Dylan, we have to get permission slips from the MLB in order to get him on here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was good. And and I say it, of course, because I've experienced the tailgate. We did it over there with uh, Tampa Joe's, then outside of uh, Raymond James Stadium, which is a lot of nice. Yeah. Apparently, Ryan's playing a disappearing game, but it's okay. We get it. Uh, <laughs> it's the... Uh, it, it's a fun time, and it's a great experience because not only the food is great, number one. Let's get that right out there. Fresh beer, fresh food. It's it's not microwaved. Um, it's not like other things that I've seen from other places. Everything is professional, and we make sure to you know that, that everyone has a great time. I think that's the most important thing. And when I saw you and your wife together, obviously, and your daughter who loves to dance, Oh my God, does she love to dance? <laughs> but it, it's great to see because you guys make sure that everyone's having fun, they're enjoying themselves. I mean, you get your money's worth. I will say that much. And and especially when it came to Charlie Manuel, you figured you guys had an additional trip over to uh, Spectrum Field, which I know it's not Spectrum yeah. anymore. What is it, Dylan? It's uh, the hospital. Daycare ballpark. Daycare. Daycare ballpark. But for the folks who stood around even after Charlie was gone, like everybody had an amazing time. And that was so much fun. The weather couldn't have been, I mean, any more picture perfect that day. And I felt bad for Charlie because Charlie was sweating down a little bit, but he made sure he went through and talked, shook hands, kissed babies. The whole nine yards, Charlie was just absolutely awesome. So thank you for putting that together. Thank you for the invite because Debbie and I had a blast along with everybody else. And obviously I met then Chris from the Drunk Phil's fans. He's been on with us a couple of times. And yeah. I did extend Great. the invite for him tonight, but unfortunately he couldn't make it, him and Jay Daniels, so they can talk to uh, Kevin Stocker. But listen, now we know that we're only just a few months away from the Eagle season. The packages that are put together here that I know you've been scrambling like a madman after this schedule has been put out, and I'm going to bring it back up here on, on the screen so everyone can see. These are some excellent packages that you're putting together. And by all means, you guys, 
jump on these things before they get sold out because it is, as I said, the most fun you could possibly have. There's two coming up here. One real, real close to City Field. I don't know why anybody wants to go there, but they go there because they go <laughs> trips.com. But it's, it's a great place to go to. I, I kid about New York a lot, but it's an it's a it's a good ballpark to go to. And then past that, past Scotland, and then Pittsburgh, the big one is for the Dick Vermeil, August 5th, uh, for the yep. Hall of Fame induction there. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, that package before we actually get into the Eagle schedule. Sure. Yeah. Um, Dick Vermeil obviously is a legendary coach. Um, there's a big part of the fan base that are older than me <laughs> um, <laughs> that – really watched him and his time as a coach and they, you know, they adore the man. And, you know, he's, I've seen what he's done uh, since he's retired and, you know, he's a business guy, um, but he represents the city of Philadelphia and it's an excuse to go to Canton and Canton is a special place. Um, we got to go there four or five years ago when Brian Dawkins was inducted into the hall of fame. And let me tell you, man, that was, that was an experience. We were also lucky it happened to be four or five months after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, so it was pretty crazy. There was a couple thousand Eagles fans there. Um, and we really expect this summer to be a, a good ceremony, um, get to watch the induction there. Um, we stay in, in Cleveland, which is another great city. That surprised me. Um, I never thought that that it's so cool traveling around the country because you have these uh, certain views um, that you think you know what a city is until you're there on the ground. Um, but I really enjoyed Cleveland. The people did. There's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's there. You can catch a ball game. Um, it's actually a beautiful city, very clean. A uh, lot to do. Great bar scene, breweries. Um, so it's it's a nice uh, you know two three day weekend. Um, to Cleveland and Canton in August. I will not be there um, because I'm having my my daughter's going to be born in July. So I'm still on uh, paternity leave. <laughs> uh -huh. that's the good thing when you when you when you have your own business you can give yourself paternity leave that is good that is definitely a, well we, hey, listen we know how hard it is to put everything together the packages and everything else and and again i don't say because obviously the partnership that we have with you but to even the first time i mean the experience itself it's just it it's it's amazing because it, again it's done right but you guys take the worry out of traveling. And for the people that I spoke to on the cruise that night, it was so much fun because it, it was like repetitive. And it's not like, you know, if I had a microphone, that'd have been the best time to actually take scripts from everybody. And just to hear what they say, you know, the, the one couple was the very first time they've done it. And they said they will be back because they enjoyed it. It was so easy to book. It was so easy for everything to happen. The location was actually, you know, phenomenal for them. And they said they do it. They're, they're retired, so they're able to do so. But then I talked to a couple other folks, and it was the same way, too. It's like, you know, it's the first time I'm traveling. You know, this is great. I should have learned about them, you know, a while back, and they didn't mention who they were with before. But, it's, you know, things are uh, – and it's so excellent. I mean, we want to make sure that that we travel someone – that everything that we know that we paid for is there. And there is an extra. I am, as you know, hanging up here in the studio, just to my left, the commemorative Philly sports trips, Charlie Manuel, the gang up there, the picture yep. and the shirt that went into automatic retirement. So that's in the hall of fame over here, my own little hall of fame in the studio. So that's up there. And if I take it down and show it in the camera, unfortunately it's probably going to, well, I can try to do it before, uh, before I take my camera away. But uh, we ended up putting it together because again, it was, it was just the experience. And it was so much fun. And I, you know, Debbie and I thank you obviously for it because 
it, it's just an experience that you don't get something like that everywhere. I mean, people can talk about, oh, no, we're going to bring these people. And it's like you, they bring 7-Eleven food. No, no offense to 7-Eleven, but they bring 7-Eleven food. <laughs> you pay yeah. money for what? For, for stuff like that? So I, I sure. think when people get the experience, when they get to see it, they will definitely come back. And I know there's a lot of times, obviously, we didn't expect for this inflation to get as crazy as it has at this point. But when you spend the money, it, it is. It's very enjoyable. It's very relaxing. And I, I think the professionalism from it, it, it goes a long way. So thanks to you and Bob Cavanaugh for, for doing what you guys do, which is amazing for the fan experience. But coming down now till it comes to the very first uh, trip, which is the ultimate trip to Detroit. Now would be Sunday, September 11th, which yeah. some people said on the last podcast, that should be a win. And I, I do believe it might have been Ryan. I could be wrong, but it said it should be a win. Nothing is a win when it comes to the Eagles because it's year to year. And you never know, even though it should be. I'm not saying by any means that it's going to be a win. But have That's you been to Detroit win. before? Or is this a first trip as well for you guys? So so a couple of things just to, to touch on. Um, thank you for all the kind words. Um, uh, travel's stressful, right? So um, people want to feel comfortable. They want to ask a lot of questions and that's our job to answer them and make them feel comfortable. And then when they're there, they, they want to enjoy themselves. They don't want to have to think about um, getting an Uber somewhere. What time do I have to be somewhere? You just make it simple and people are relaxed and they really enjoy themselves. You talked about Charlie Manuel. That was St. Patrick's day. People were drinking for hours and that yeah. man went on stage and people were silent and it, it was incredible um, just how he, captivated the audience and you know four days on the beach baseball parties and all that anyone could talk about was that 20 minutes where he was on stage so that you know it's about making memorable experiences for people and before we talk about detroit i just wanted to say i apologize i was doing a little bit of texting tonight which i never do on the show but i was texting a, an ex philadelphia eagle so not only uh nd kalu which is awesome and we're gonna plan that together angel figure out how we're gonna do this um, we got a really good plan for Houston. Um, but we announced earlier today that Seth Joyner will be with us in, in Arizona, which is really cool. And what no one knows, uh, so you guys will be the first ones to hear it and everyone uh, following along here. Um, Hollis Thomas will be traveling with us this year on a couple trips. So I've never talked to uh, a baseball player before, uh, ex-Philly until tonight and i've never talked to an ex-eagle on the phone until today and i talked to two <laughs> so it's an exciting day uh the schedule came out 169 hours ago um and i've slept about eight of those hours <laughs> um but it's it's just you know it's great I, I want all of you guys that are on here to experience a tailgate or a trip of some sort we can do stuff in philly or on the road go visit angel um but yeah detroit's gonna be fun and all the trips are gonna be great so, Angel, back to you, man. Listen, I, I'm first of all, um, kind of kind of surprised with Hollis because I do believe he's part of some other Green Legion. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. surprised on that one. Well, you'll see on the post tonight that we were surprised as well. Um, Hollis loves to travel with Philly fans, and he's looking for a, a new home. Um, oh. So we're going to wow. announce it tonight. So, um, you know, Ooh. every business has competitors, um, but we, we try to put the fans <laughs> first and the experience first. And when someone comes to us, a customer or uh, anyone else that says they're looking to, to join the P 
PSD family, we, we welcome them with open arms, but I don't think I could fit around Hollis, but um, right. can't wait to get to work with him and, you know, bring them into the family and hopefully get them on here soon. Well, uh, um, I, I won't even say shots fired because we'll, we'll talk off air about that. <laughs> Cause will, I saw something coming that I, I, I talked about beforehand, but it's okay. And, and speaking of, by the way, cause I, I want to bring something up here. Um, there is, and, and if you guys end up going, I, I will say this much. I mean, can I make this a little bit? I can't put this on the side, but there is an entertainer and, and I'm bringing the news out right now for you guys. There is an excellent entertainer that will be traveling this year to all the away games. And he was on the Sopranos before, uh, he does an excellent vocal job and, and it, it's, can I, do, I, do I have my share screen up here? Hold on, because I want to make sure I don't screw myself. Let me stop the screen because I need it back here. But this guy puts on an amazing performance. And if you guys don't believe me, it, he's also going to be elected into the Hall of Fame. And, and you guys can see him right here. He does a phenomenal <laughs> job, a phenomenal job. So uh, the, uh, the Vincent Corleone of the family there, it, it, he can bust out the tunes and everything else. And this was actually a performance at Ruth Eckerd Hall down here in Tampa, Florida. So uh, the Godfather wow. can do amazing things. Hey, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> <Half> Hooch? Speechless. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's all right, though. Let's uh, say it, it, it's a good thing. But now, uh, again, a couple of, couple, of, <laughs> couple of trips that are coming up. Obviously, again, the big one being, uh, uh, being for Arizona. Then you have Dallas, which – a lot of people are saying this year to look out because the Eagles, right? They're in Dallas's rearview mirror and they're looking there to make that leapfrog, which Dallas normally every year has a pretty good, uh, as far as draft this year, not so much. I don't know what happened. Obviously they lost a wide receiver. So the Eagles are in, in the better looks of, of things, but the Dallas trip. Now, how many times you guys have gone back down and have gone down to Dallas? So this will be our fourth time to Dallas, but to be honest on here, it's Christmas Eve and it's probably not going to happen. Um, we do have a lot of fans that want to uh, go to that game. Maybe they're local or, you know, their wives won't divorce them uh, if they go to Dallas on <laughs> Christmas Eve like mine. Um, so, we, we, so we are going to host an awesome tailgate down there. We're going to have representatives of our company that are there. Um, we, we just have all the great connections down there and Eagles fans are everywhere. And there's a lot in Dallas. So we will have an awesome tailgate. We will help people with hotel rooms. We will make recommendations. But we're not going to make a full trip out of it like we've done the last three years. We'll look to Dallas next year when it's not on a holiday. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Dallas is great. Um, you know, the stadium's incredible. I, I recommend everyone to take a tour while they're there. It's the best $30 you'll, you'll spend. Yeah, obviously the team, uh, Dallas sucks. But uh, at the city and the stadium and the area, the food, it's it's a great place. Every every Eagles fan should go. Um, yeah. I just don't recommend going this year on Christmas Eve. Pick another trip. <laughs> <laughs> no, what whichever. Just listen, just let the fans know because we got to make sure that uh, Tony Soprano over there makes the trip so he can sing for everyone. So uh, again, if you guys yeah. end up missing it, uh, it's it, he'll be up there. And Sean says he's looking forward to the Arizona game, or he's gonna he's gonna look into yeah. it. So. It, uh, listen, Sean, you can't go wrong. Honest to God, you cannot go wrong because it, it, it's Can done I talk right. about Arizona, Angel? Um, because that there's a reason I'm wearing Zach Ertz tonight because uh, it's just been Arizona on the mind and, uh, you know, getting ready for that game and that trip. 
it's going to be huge for us. Um, we are staying at the Hyatt Regency Scottsdale, which is a beautiful resort. Um, you know, we have four night package there. We have flights for everyone. We take people around on charter buses. So you don't have to worry about that. We just um, booked a venue on Friday night in Scottsdale with Seth Joyner. Um, our tailgate's going to be awesome. Um, you know, it, it's just going to be a great experience. We have 97.5 The Fanatic and the John Kincaid Morning Show are going to be there. Um, so, you know, just wanted to share that package is, you know, the number one trip of the year. And there's a lot of other cool ones. Houston's going to be great, um, especially working with you guys on that. And, and I guess the, the last Eagles trip I just want to let everyone know about is the Eagles are playing the Colts this year. And two and a half hours away from Indianapolis is Notre Dame. So we're actually going to get to go to the Notre Dame Boston College game on Saturday. Mm, College nice. football Saturday, Eagles, Colts game Sunday. Um, so that is getting some really early um, – action uh we got a good group already signed up for that um, might even have to get a second bus uh to go from indy to um, notre dame so that's my eight away trips in a, in a quick summary there listen uh, <laughs> but mike do... when's mike going on a trip which one i want to know now and I can't back <laughs> uh the, uh, notre dame trip that'll be the that's christmas one that's where he's gone Vince, you're gonna have a trip. What about what about a trip to Dunedin? How about that? You're gonna you're gonna book a trip down here. To Dunedin? Yeah. We'll be there in spring training in in March. We'll see fair that. enough. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back I, in March. I, I, actually, a serious question for you, Vince. Real quick, a uh, serious yeah. question. Um, for for say opposing fans, obviously you guys, you know, a lot of Eagles trips and you know Philly yeah. related trips and such. Opposing fans, I'm guessing they are also allowed to join the trips as well. No, of course not. Yes. No, but um, <laughs> I thought I asked. Well, hey, the viewers it's, it's, might want to know. Viewers want to know. No, no, absolutely yes. Um, and I actually feel passionate about it. Um, you know, Philly fans sometimes get a bad, uh, you know, reputation. Um, we have always had great groups of people that are very passionate. They know the sport, but they're respectful, and we make sure that that's the case. Um, we always invite away fans. Um, last year for Week One, when the Eagles played. In Arizona, we actually welcomed the super fan bird lady of the Falcons. She brought people. We raised money. We donated it to their charity. We had a group tailgate, Battle of the Birds, um, and it was really cool. And we tried to do that. And by, you know, 20 Raiders fans kind of wandered into our tailgate in Vegas, and they were welcomed <laughs> with open arms. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, we're all fans, and we take our teams way too seriously in Philadelphia, but that's part of our DNA. I, I do it as well. Um, but I think it's important to understand that um, the, the game should bring us together. And especially after it's tough, you have to bring it up, but the season where we couldn't be there, right. in the COVID yeah. year and, and watching from our TVs last year was like the return of the tailgate. Um, so we decided it was important. So yes, you can, if you're, if you're not a jerk, <laughs> you can come on the trip and uh, support the other team. Nice. He's out of age. You're not 21. That's fine, too. That's nah, fine, 19, too. We also have families and kids. He can still That's go. Fine. Why can't he go? He has some peach fuzz there. He can get away. <laughs> Why? I can just give him milk and cookies. He'll be just fine. <laughs> Plenty He'll be all right. He could be my designated driver. How's that? There you oh go. Boy. I got, hey, listen, well, and if well, hey, listen, if I go to the Houston trip, my buddy is plays for the team. He can just drive me around. You know, I have I have a connection there. So it's great. There you go. Well, you're hired. 
<laughs> as far as when it comes to extra You're buster, it, as far as it comes to extra buster events, um, if you need another driver, because yours truly does have a CDL. So in case, you know, you need a, a, rent, a rental driver. No. Yeah. yeah. That, that'd be okay. yours truly. So I got to use rental bus and I'll take over. Down there. What? You're just going to drive us all crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Is it? <laughs> just have fun. God help us. That's all right. I can't but, wait to talk to you guys about this Houston tailgate that we're putting together. And uh, you, you guys are the missing piece. So that's going to be fun. Look, no, everyone, everyone putting in their bed. Everyone putting in their bed. Shoot. If you need anything, just call me. Listen, Aaron, I already told you. If you need someone to, you know, as far as to pop their back, you already know who to go to, right? The Godfather. Then listen, two live crew and the Godfather, yeah. and you're in. So you're good. Two live crew, believe me. The, the, the Fuji, 10 hours of moves. Is that the, what it is? The, the Fuji Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to end up uh, wrapping up the show here, but before we wrap it up, of course, we want to thank uh, our sponsors, as we do here at the end of the show, and put out some mentions, and then after this, this timeline will be changed as well, so uh, if you guys just hang in there, always thank you for patronizing our sponsors. If you're visiting Tampa area for a sporting event, and or just coming down here for a vacation, please visit TampaJoes.com and 9316 Anderson Road in beautiful Tampa, Florida, a hop, skip, and a jump over from the airport, a fun place with serious food, Mike Goodwin and his group will always take care of you, no matter when you come, it's TampaJoes.com. Also, if you want to travel with the pros, please visit PhillySportsTrips.com. Vince will take care of all your travel expectation needs, whether it's a bus trip or a plane trip. Please visit PhillySportsTrips.com and travel with the pros. And check out their upcoming trips as well. BigStarSports.com, a great partner here of Broad Street South. You can also check out him and Andy Kalu Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 Central Standard Time at on in the trenches available at sports talk 790 but always check out bigstarsports.com for all your great houston texas content also if you are in need of a brand new jersey a hat any apparel that's sports related visit fanatics.com officially license everything and check every single day because they have a different code that you can use for either free shipping or sometimes up to 50 percent off at fanatics.com for LG Direct Sales Solutions, which the studio is named after Larry Yeoman, LGDirect.net. If you guys need complete platform accepting management and payment solutions, along with business funding, please visit LGDirect.net. Also, you can call them at 855-777-3863, 855-777-3863. And if you need apparel, please visit LGDirect.net. Also, J.C. Newman Cigar Company, the oldest running historical cigar company in America, established in 1895. If you guys visit jcnewman.com, please go and visit their website as they have a fine selection of cigars, and you can also have your bachelor party there at J.C. Newman. Please visit crystalclean.org. If you need your office or your home clean, visit crystalclean.org or watch or visit her also on Facebook and set up your appointment today to get your home and or office business clean. And one last thing before we wrap up. Again, the show was dedicated to Katie Navarro. If you guys can, please visit the Eagles Mania Facebook page. Again, if you're listening to the show on the download, 
make sure you visit Eagles Media Facebook page. And if you can, again, even if it's a dollar to get to that $5,000 goal that I need for a funeral expenses, it would go a long way for Katie. And I'm going to leave out the show today with the Eagles chant for Katie. And this season, if you guys can remember, just for her, when you guys do the hashtag fly, Eagles fly, how about add the four hashtag KN just because of the super fan that she was. So thank you for everyone who tuned in tonight. We do appreciate it. Thank you to Vince from phillysportstrips.com and all the hard work he puts in, along with Aaron Bell from the Philadelphia SN and all the amazing work he does. Sorry for the end of the season. But if you want to catch up with all the Sixers content, and not only that, the uh, you know what? I'm going to leave the man himself. Aaron, please mention the folks, your fine podcast that you have other than doing work for Philadelphia SN. Yeah, so uh, like like he stated, Philadelphia Sports Network, you can find all my written work on there. Obviously, the Sixers ended the season not the way we wanted, but we are transitioning over to Philly's coverage now, so catch my work, upcoming work when it comes to that. Then also follow me, Open Gym Podcast, visual on YouTube and on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Open Gym Podcast airs every week on Thursday. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. All right. And then, of course, the young 15-year-old that we have here on the show, uh, known as Dylan Spalding, <laughs> coming up on his 200th episode on the Flow yep. Show podcast. And it can be found exactly where there, Dylan? It can be found on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Yeah, check us out. Uh, we got a lot of good content coming out. Actually, I got an interview coming out here soon with the uh, the Freeze from the Atlanta Braves, actually. I was able to get him on the show. So that's going to come out here next week. I'm going to have 200th episode coming out on Monday. And we're getting back on the grind. You know, we've been a little bit of a hiatus due to my Blue Jays obligations here the last couple of uh, months. But I'm getting back on the grind and uh, going to start expanding the podcast horizons here a little bit. Going to cover some football, some basketball, some hockey. Obviously, some of these sports finishing out. But I'm uh, excited to get kind of into some more widen areas if you will in terms of sports here in the state of florida and there's a lot of florida sports here to cover so uh, it's gonna be fun and if you want to visit the ghost of christmas past also known as the ryan neff you can visit his <laughs> podcast at the cheap seats <laughs> and you can tell i love the man <laughs> but visit ryan neff the cheap seats on his facebook page at the nefsky uh, and Brian, of course, keeping us the updated here score with the Celtics and Miami Heat. Uh, Celtics are up. So that's good to see the Bolts now up 2-0 against the Panthers. And they're coming home. So, Dylan, hit them with the noise. That's right. So your Bolts are up 2-0. This should be almost a good run once again for possibly a first in a long time where you can get a 3 P champion. We'll see. There's still obviously plenty of series left. And like I said, uh, Oh, so I can't forget the Godfather here. Again, if you guys need him for any bar mitzvahs, parties, or anything else, <laughs> please visit Tony Soprano on his Facebook page, also known as Mike Fuji Fiardimondo. So <laughs> look him up as well. And thanks to Debbie over there in Studio B, my girlfriend who does a lovely job, the producer. Thank you so much. For the LG Direct Sales Solutions Studios, for everyone tonight, we're going to leave you with Katie's picture up here and the Eagles chant one more time for it. Gone too soon, but we hope she's resting in peace.